Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. I started covering the Toronto Raptors in 1999. I was a young cub at uh, CTV Sportsnet at the time, and I was assigned to watch a lot of their games, cut highlights. Uh, that led me into the 2001 NBA playoffs when the Raptors beat the Knicks. Uh, I spent 18 years working for the Toronto Raptors, and I watched, I don't want to say every game, but damn near every game. Game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals, Toronto Raptors against Boston Celtics, uh, that recently took place, I, I think is the best Raptors game I've ever seen. Um, and I'm not. I'm not saying it was more important than winning the championship. Um, I'm not saying it was. Uh, I don't know. There was a bigger shot at the end of the Philadelphia series in 2019, mm-hmm. but for a a slugfest, a boxing match, heavyweight, mano a mano, uh, swing for swing, going down uh, extra time, double overtime. Um, I, I think that this was the ultimate Toronto Raptors game, and uh, it tied the series at 3-3, heading into a Game 7. And here we are today, uh, Javon, Andy, myself, Dan, and we have so much to talk about with this series, which has to be capturing the imagination of the entire NBA, uh, the entire basketball world, because I don't think anybody really can tell you with a straight face who's going to win game seven it's that much of a toss-up right now uh javon why why don't you why don't we start by talking about your experience watching this game or what you saw or what what you make of it well first of all i can't really match your intro i i started watching in 1995 i wasn't cutting up clips but i was probably pissing my pants and (laughs) still doing shit like that but no you know what this run for the Raptors has been, you know, just something special. We can talk about last year, but it's a completely different team with a whole new dynamic. Um, there's, you know, they've gone through some adversities and they're just showing. And I think, you know, Kyle Lowry just really um, exemplifies what this Raptors team is is about. He's a guy that is, you know, every time he steps out there, his focus is is on competing and not just production so or performance rather so and and we're seeing that you know this what have we won two what have they won two games of you know they, they need to run out four to really you know go through this thing and they're not 
the best team. That's not the surprise. The best team talent-wise is obviously the Celtics right now with the be- better players. But, you know, these guys are far deeper. And, and we're seeing that with, the, you know, the, what they're bringing off their bench and guys that are stepping up. Um, you know, we're seeing the development of, of OG. And he, to me, is somebody that's not a he, – he's – I shouldn't say he's a surprise, but I really like what I'm seeing from him. He's sort of like what Pascal was last year, you know, that third, fourth role um, – and really coming into his own and developing. He hit a game-winning shot. What was it, yeah. game five, and, and now 13-3 and three last night. So, you That's know, something night. special, yeah. When when we broke here uh, last week, Boston was up in the series 2 nothing, and we kind of went around the room. We talked about wh- what's going to happen, and Andy, you, you said, yeah, these guys are going to come back. Have you seen things? What have you seen in these, these last three out of four games that Toronto won that you knew – was going to happen and was going to put them right back with a chance to win the series? I mean, you knew this team wasn't going to quit, first and foremost. Um, I think that the culture that's that's been built within the organization is, is team first, and I think that that's behooving them right now, especially being in the bubble. Because I think at this point, you know, this deep in the playoffs, what is it, you know, 70 days now in the bubble or something? The teams that are the closest, the teams that have the greatest bond are the teams that aren't going to fall apart. You know, it's the guys that are closer off the floor. I think that, you know, supersedes talent at this point. Um, and, and that's what you're seeing from the Raptors. You know, you got guys that won't quit. Guys are stepping up. Your OGs, you know, look at Norm Powell mm-hmm. contributing 21 points last night or 22. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, Kyle said it best. You know, it's 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 at this point in the game, it's your role players. It's those guys that are going to take you to the next level. And like you said, Pascal stepped up last year. It's the OGs this year. It's it's Norm. Um, and 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 like we have, like we said, we have faith in this team. You know, the whole city's got faith in this team. You can say that Boston is more talented. Uh, you know, with their top three than Toronto's is, but. It's 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 the chemistry that's holding them together, and and it's their no quit attitude. And and Kyle Lowry is just a perennial All Pro, and he continues to show that day in and day out. Um, and, and he will go down as arguably one of the most underrated all time, in my opinion. And I think I think winning is something that is contagious, right? And oh I think yeah. From our playing days, you you know that also well, especially for a team like this that is proven time and time again to mm-hmm. step up in in clutch in clutch moments. Mm-hmm. And you know, rise to the occasion. So we're seeing that now, and it's, it's definitely proven. So I think these guys are just going to continue to be successful, and I, I think they're going to pull it off. I think they're going to pull it off just because they're far more confident mm-hmm. than you know when when the game's on the line, when things are tight. They just seem to have far much more confidence. Even mm-hmm. I remember when OG hit that shot. If you remember, Kyle Lowry was jumping up and down, and there was one image of him on the floor just smiling and laughing. Yeah, that's and, right. And it was just like. Yeah. We we did this again. Yeah. We do this again. We we knew we were gonna do it. Yeah. So there's this, there's a belief. There's a trust. Mm-hmm. I think there's a trust from top down to bottom. Now mm-hmm. you know the team Raptors have gone through some years before where you know the fans of the city questioned them, but I think everybody's on the same page. Oh, they're bought in. For everybody's sure. bought in. Oh, okay, so so that's the, that's the Toronto side of the story. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why why can't we say this, the same things about Boston? And and this is why to me it's such a toss up. It's such a pick 'em for Game Seven because you know Boston's been in this bubble the whole time together. Boston looks like they trust one another and and they're in lockstep with each other. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think we're partial. I think we're okay, partial okay, because of our <laughs> where we are for sure. But yeah. but I also. I also think, and I'm trying to stay as indifferent, as impartial as I can, (laughs) but I I said Toronto in seven two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and I I remember saying it, not that I said it, but because you said, wow, you were surprised I went that way. Mm -hmm. 
But to, what I found myself thinking and saying to some people who I, I speak to about it, you know, to me, Boston should feel like they ha- are leading the series 5-1. Mm-hmm. They have had two opportunities to step on the Raptors' throats mm-hmm. and and end this. You know, game three, you're up by four with a minute left. You're up by two with .5 seconds left. Uh, game six, I feel like Toronto stole that game mm-hmm. from Boston again. What is it? What are the Celtics lacking right now, or maybe lacking in their character, that is they're on the verge of of choking away this series? Chef, I got to be honest with you, Eric. You know, and DG, I, I think that they're not that far away. I don't think they're per se doing anything wrong. I think that the chemistry there is also great. I think that their top three are really stepping up, especially with the uh, the exit of Gordon Hayward. And they're almost even playing better without him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the last couple opportunities they had, you know, they squandered it. You know, late game turnovers is what Jalen Brown had to say last game. Um, but those guys are there. And Kemba Walker, you know, only scoring five, scoring five points until the fourth quarter. That's That hurts them too. You know, when his production is up, they're a better team. But, uh, you know, they're not far away. And I think that... But these are the, these are the things yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Why are these things happening to them? Yeah. The, th- these are the things that should not be happening to a championship team. Fair enough. And well, I, I, I know Siakam's struggling, but not at not at the level that you saw in, in Kemba in that game. And mm-hmm. I just... I feel like Boston is finding ways to lose. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this. One, Boston doesn't have a bench. You have five players that are really giving you everything. Playing the bulk of the minutes, giving you the bulk of your stats. And they're not getting much from, you know, any contribution from the bench. So, and you know, we shouldn't weigh on that too much because both teams are, are playing seven players. Raptors are just getting a bit more contribution. But I think for Boston now, the problem is, although it's a talented group, although a lot of these guys have have been the guy, have been the man in those one or two positions, um, they're still inexperienced in the sense of. They don't have any guys from from a winning a winning team a winning mm-hmm. culture at this point. They have guys that have proven to perform at a high level, mm-hmm. but now they have do they have do they have any guys that have proven to perform when you know in in playoffs in in you know game sevens and mm-hmm. situations. Just like we said earlier, there's Raptors have a winning culture right now. Boston historically has, but this is a, this is a new group of players. These are young guys that are coming into their own. Um, Kimba's a guy that you know he's he's been the number one guy, but at the same time on the NBA stage, on the NBA level, as a, as a unit, where he's used to dominating the ball, he's used to dominating the ball. Right. But as a unit, they don't have that experience playing together when things are down. They, are down they the look line. pretty well oiled, though. I will say that they they look like they're playing comfortably, and and their defense has been stellar. But the Raptors are just finding ways to win. Their, their mean, defense was stellar, stellar, except with 0.5 seconds left right. in Game Three exactly. and in the second overtime yeah. of Game Six. Yeah. And I, I, I question a little bit of poise on this Boston team. And these guys are veteran players. You know, Tatum and Brown uh, were on a team two years ago that pushed LeBron to Game That's Seven right. in That's the right. Eastern Conference Finals. And Boston choked in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were up 2-0 in that series, and I think 3-2 as well. And I, I just... Do you, think it could be, do you think it could be the Boston franchise itself? With like the astronomical amount of pressure it is, no. you know, the history that they have no, being such no, a winning no. program. It, it, it is, that is that interesting to, to me because, because the, the history of the franchise, yeah. it does have to play into it. But someone, I can't remember who, made a, an interesting observation uh, that 
this is an actual likable Celtics team. Mm-hmm. The other than probably Marcus Smart, who I think is getting under the skin of every yeah, Toronto fan. Yeah. <laughs> but but the re- I mean Tatum is incredibly likable. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown, I I love that guy. And he, Hayward when he was around, and even. Uh, Daniel Tice is is you know there's a toughness they're nice. there. They're really they're they're good players. Fucking Daniel nice. Tice, man! I think the difference every is every time the Raps you know get a chance, he's there just you know right thrown right down right. an alley oop. Right, right, you right. know somebody gets lost on the back door, and Daniel Tice is right there. But, but they're he's hitting. They're scoring on dunks late the game while the Raptors are hitting threes. Yeah, and I I used to say this when the Raptors would play the LeBron Cavs. The two teams look like they're playing different games, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's like that with Toronto and Boston until the end. But in these games three and game six, the two close games of the series, the Raptors are hitting these late game bombs, it almost, it and almost Boston's seems, getting layups. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know what we're saying that, but I'm going to throw a crazy stat out here to you guys. You said they're playing; they look like they're playing slightly different, but based on stats and shots in Game mm-hmm. Six, Celtics were 44 from 100 from the field goal and 19 from for 46 from the threes, whereas the Raptors were 44 of 101. And 19 from 47. So Raptors end up with two more shots. Mm. Interesting. Than, than Almost identical. Yeah. So pretty much identical. Yeah. But here's the, I think the difference is this. I think Boston is attacking, you know, what I think they're doing a good job of attacking and making plays. I think the Raptors right now are settling for threes. I think they're just taking what they can get. Because if you look at a lot of the threes that Kyle have taken, that Fred Van Vliet have taken, that uh, Norm took late game, they're all contested one-on-one jumpers pretty much. And you look at, you know, Boston's getting into the lane. They're throwing lobs. You know, their field goal percentage should be higher based upon the looks that they're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're doing a good job of attacking, you know, this, this you know, this mismatched defense that Toronto's throwing at them. that's why Theus has been the beneficiaries because they have guys that can shoot and you have guys that can penetrate. Yeah. Kimba, Smart. Yeah. Um, Jalen Brown, even Brad Wanamaker is playing some big minutes. Right, he's so playing they, really well. Getting into the paint, yeah. they can kick it out for shots, but yeah. at the same time, you know he's he's right around the rim. They can lob it up, so mm-hmm. they put a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. the defense. And you know, Toronto, on the other hand, their go-to guy in in Pascal has been struggling a bit. There's mm-hmm. a couple times down the stretch where the Raptors have you know kind of force-fed him in the mid post, trying to get him to a, a comfortable mm-hmm. um, spot, and and they've. Boston's been pretty physical with him. He's struggling. He doesn't have, really have his confidence. Mm. But he's, just he is doing other things, right? He's rebounding. Oh, his plus he's minus was great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like he's he isn't the premier scorer that a lot of people want him to be, and you got to figure Boston game plan to take him out. But I still feel like he's giving them enough. But I, I think people are a little unfair with him because Pascal's a guy that was a third, fourth option just a year ago. Yep. And I think the misconception is that he signed this big contract. He's going to be a number one, you know, your number one option. Well, that's the expectation right when you get, you know, what? It is, but I, well, I look at it, I look at it from a standpoint where, you know, that's a promise from the Raptors to Pascal to say, we see, we see promise. In the future, we see, yeah. Well, but also know. when Kawhi left, you had to assign someone to be the number one scorer. Right. You do, but it, at the same time. It couldn't time, really be anyone else. Could you have brought time, somebody else in for that money? I don't think anyone else was really available mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Kitty. Not he that would, I would want to. I firmly believe that Pascal is going to be worth that money at the end of the day. I, now, I whether or not he's a number one, I that's up for two. debate. I think he's a two. He might be. I think he's a two. He's also a but guy But I think just, the intangibles that he brings to this team he's, is, he, is worth the money. He was itself. the second leading scorer on a team that won the NBA Finals. Right. I mean, that to yeah. me, that earned the money right there. Yeah. When you, that's how it, work, how it works. You have a Kawhi that demands so much attention. You have a Kawhi that demands yeah. attention. You know, the, the focus of your defense. Two, three guys have to be focused on a Kawhi. Then you have a Kyle, your other, your other defender. So, you know, Pascal could really roam around and just be the beneficiary of – 
you know, bat doors and, and just hitting open threes. There's not as much pressure. There's not as much demand on him. And we're also forgetting this is a guy that started playing basketball pretty late. So his learning curve and his development is going to take a while, especially so, to be a number I, one. I'm hearing all this, uh, you know, with uh, Giannis. Uh, he needs his Pippen, you know, or, or he's, a, he's, he's a Pippen that needs his Jordan. I'm hearing a lot of rumblings about where Giannis could wind up next year. And I think those two paired together could be, you know, more championships than, you know, you yeah. could even Now, you're, now heard, you're really showing I've who's heard, partial. I've I'm heard, just saying. Now I've we heard, know who the homer is. Oladipo and Giannis. I'm just saying, that. if you bring in a guy like Giannis to compliment Pascal, what you paid him for to be your number two is going to be worth its weight in gold. Okay, and I think that he can still get to the point where he's earning that money, but... Maybe he won't be the number if one. If you have those two, the teams are going to zone us up. Yep, not a lot of, of shooting. Not there. a lot of shooting. You got to get Thomas you, checking you, in. Now checking in. Matt Andy, Thomas. Andy, Andy, Andy Rounds. AR, 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 AR. The resurgence. Right back. <laughs> He's coming. Shep, Shep where, uh, where were you when Ananobi hit the three ball? Yeah. I was in my living room, and I was – I kind of chuckled because he did not seem to – His you know what made me laugh was his walk off. He's like – I know I wasn't supposed to make this, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to make this, but you know I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride with it. I'm gonna walk yeah. off. And I, but I was, you know, I was happy to see that for him. And then I'm, I was happy to see that he was. He followed it up with another, you know, mm-hmm. strong performance. So you know, just seeing his growth. And I think I texted you right after that shot mm-hmm. happened as well. DG. Yeah, half, that's a great question. Half the world texted me <laughs> after that shot. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those where were you moments. Where were I, you, DJ? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was watching with my dad. Okay. I was at uh, his country house in yeah. uh, Stouffville, Ontario, and got got to watch it with him. Stouffville. <laughs> I was still going crazy about Kemba's pass that gave Boston the two point lead, right, with point five on the clock. Yeah. and I was I was impressed. Now we talk. Everybody talks about the shot, but I was more impressed by Kyle's pass. Because you you have to factor in. That, I mean, that they put they put Taco Fall. Taco on, Fall. On this you have his cold as ice. Taco Fall Taco hadn't Fall. had he even played I in know, the series. Poor guy. Do you see something about what his? Uh, if you did his plus minus, uh-huh. you know he's a minus three in point five seconds. <laughs> so in one <laughs> second he's a minus six. He's a minus three hundred and sixty uh, times forty eight minutes. I mean, he's the no pun intended fall guy. Yeah, <laughs> one of the tough tough position to be in. I mean, yeah. the the inbounds passer couldn't hurt you. There was no time to pass it back to him. It it kind of didn't make sense. But to be fair, I mean, he's what seven five. Seven, but you know six? what? Now play. How did he get that pass to the corner? But astonishing. Yeah, astonishing pass. Now, I'm not a coach, but just thinking about it, playing devil's advocate. Uh-huh. Why was anybody defending the the basketball? Why should I would have probably had a roamer and just mm. get there, get to where we, where the ball is going. Just playing the devil's advocate because I'm definitely no coach and I'm not X's and O's guys. Yeah, so. yeah. So a- Andy, where where were you? Where where, where were you watching? I was at I was at home. Uh, my younger brother Sammy and I were watching the game as we have every game this series. And I remember I was I think I was folding laundry and I was walking into the other room as he shot it, and I just saw it out of the corner of my eye and he hit it. He said, "You got up with point five seconds left to go check those, on laundry." One of those anxiety driven you know behaviors like I can't fucking watch it. It's too stressful. <laughs> He hit it. We jumped in the air. We chest bumped. I fucking went outside on the on the balcony. I said, Dude, I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I left. Yeah. I was watching with Jeff, our opener, yeah. who does yep. our announcer. Crazy. I couldn't sit around for that last minute. I'm telling you. so frustrated. Yeah. And so I left and went to the Chinese restaurant right beside <laughs> us, ordered chicken wings, and then I broke the bubble and high-fived the chef. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> broke the bubble and high-fived the chef. <laughs> 
Amazing. I yeah, it's I I do think that is a where were you landing on the moon moment? Yeah. Like up there with with the Kawhi shot. The, these oh, yeah. are the two most notorious shots in in the history of the franchise. And I'd say we talk about Lowry as the best Raptor of all time, but I think it's a, a, uh, an old friend of mine, Mike Ball, on Twitter uh, just posted G R O A T, the Groat, the greatest Raptor of all time. <laughs> nice. I, I don't even want to interject, but you said corner shots, right? And I um, I always remember. I thought it was going to haunt us forever, but it's just funny that you know we end up in these in these situations hitting corner threes when you know just a couple of years ago it was Vince Carter's missed corner three <laughs> that against Philly I believe it was that <laughs> had haunted us forever. It's the shot you can always get, I and guess. Now we have these corner threes that are putting us you know on, on a whole new platform. So it's just interesting to see. I thought that was going to haunt us forever, but hey. Not now. I mean, <laughs> the, the things work out right now for the Raptors the same way they did not for years. So, okay, so let, let's end let's end talking about this with with our calls. Andy, who you got in Game 7? You know who I got. I know I got you got Toronto. Raps. Shep, yeah. how about you? You kind of said, you. I, I, did you already say you're rolling with Toronto here? I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go Toronto because I just think they're a lot deeper. And I think now Boston's thinking too much dirt in their heads. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to go Toronto. Producer Dan Wong? Oh, I, I'm going to have to say Toronto, but I'm still that Shep threw out some stats that he did his homework. I'm still I think that's fantastic. That's a beautiful. All this no, guy I mean, does his homework. I I don't know how we us four sitting in this room can't say that they. Can I say it? I can't. I can't even say that. Look, I I, I told you I had the Raptors in seven. I've had that all the way. I, He's been said. I don't. I we talk about Boston's got a bit more talent, but Toronto has. What did Paul Pierce say a few years ago? Toronto doesn't have it. Well, Toronto has they it. it. Yeah. And I don't think Boston has it. And they've had the champs on the ropes. Two two opportunities to knock out the champ. And they could not do it. And what's a line from uh, The Wire? You come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> I think... Uh, I think Boston is cooked. I think you said they've outthought themselves. I, I think they just don't have the uh, intestinal fortitude to uh, do what it takes to close out a championship team like the Raptors. So, Sorry, Danny. I'm just going to throw in one more thing. Coaching to Shep's conversation earlier with the OB, OG standing in the corner. Mm-hmm. But even the lineup last night with the last, like, all through overtime. It was a bull call on Nick's part to give Norm the but last shot. Daniel yeah. Teese has been crushing, yeah. and he throws a guy like OG, who's uh-huh. 6'8 against him, uh-huh. and, he, and he plays him strong. Ibaka doesn't have the footwork, and neither does Gasol. And this that was a great, like, we were talking about, I said the sacrilege that Nick Nurse was losing to Brad Stevens earlier. I think he came back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Nurse is on the precipice of being 6-0 and as a coach in series in the playoffs. So at, at some point, you know, if they get to the next round, you're going to have to show a, a, a statistic. If I'm the producer, I'm showing, okay, he's had six series in two playoff years. Who, what coaches have the highest winning percentage, not by game, but by series. And, you know, if, if the Raptors pull this off, you're, you're now looking at Nick Nurse as probably top one or two best coaches in the NBA from relative obscurity as an assistant to Dwayne Casey and and what what he's doing now is just it, it it's astonishing and I expect the Raptors to win game seven and be super tired in game one against Miami oh, yeah. which of course the Raptors will also <laughs> win that game <laughs> okay uh a- Andy you talked about Giannis and 
Um, a massive, massive disappointment for the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Bucks for the second year in a row. And I know last year stung them because they were up 2 nothing in the East Finals. They thought they had it once, just like the Celtics this year. You know, familiar tone there. You know, the Raptors are... I think the I think I saw the third team ever or no the first team since the Houston Rockets in 95 to be down 2-0 in a series in consecutive years wow. and the Rockets won the championship yeah. each of those um but anyways we're we're on to Milwaukee now Giannis has a year left on his contract but now's the time really where he's has to make a decision and has to be pressed by his team mm-hmm. are you going to stay here are you here for the long haul the mm-hmm. bucks don't want to lose him next year as an unrestricted free agent um, but so much needs to be done to get that franchise. You know, who, who's their second best player? Is it Chris Middleton? Was it Malcolm Brogdon? They let him walk. You know, every team in the East let somebody walk mm-hmm. last off season. But I don't know that it hurt anybody more than it's hurt yeah. uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe the Sixers losing Jimmy Butler as well. But anyway, Andy, what if you're a Giannis? What is your next step right now? Has he played his last game with the Bucks? Does he is he going someplace else? I, I don't, I'm not a firm believer that he's going to leave. I think you have to look at the type of person that Giannis is. Um, you know, he's a kid that grew up, you know, in Greece. Uh, you know, he, his loyalty runs deep, not only with his brothers but with his community. Uh, you know, and it was the same type of feel when he got to Milwaukee. I remember reading stories that he, you know, he said he was ta- he was walking miles to practice when he got here. You know, the Bucks organization, you know, they really took care of him when he got to America. They looked out for him, and that's no small deed for for Giannis. I think that that speaks volumes about um, you know his ties to his family and his loyalties. So I think he's also built differently than most of the guys who want to win a ring. He wants to do it on his own accord. And, you know, if he doesn't have that opportunity, you know, met within the allotted time of his contract, I think that he'll make a move after that. But as far as leaving and opting out early, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to give it another strong go. But um, if he leaves in a year, he's really screwing that franchise. Not only so that, not he kind of has to make the decision now. Not only that, but he's he's doing the same things that you know it's a common trend in the NBA now to to join a team to win a ring, mm-hmm. and I think he I think he wants to be the antithesis of that. I think he wants to really be you know a guy who's who's setting the bar high, you know, doing it his own way. He wants to be the Dame Lillard, you know, of winning rings, and I I respect him for that, and I, I don't personally think that he's going anywhere just yet. But I will vouch for him, you know, coming to Toronto when he makes that move. I think, you know, I agree what you said. He's just built different than a lot of guys. He's come up in a different culture, mm-hmm. um, being that he's he's come up in Europe. He's played in in um, Greece, mm-hmm. and so so there's just a different thought process to you know the approach to this to, to this thing. Sorry, but uh, on the flip side, you know, just to play devil's advocate, he's still a competitor, right? So, and the way of the NBA, he's 26 now, and the the uh sorry the bucks aren't really showing much promise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think you know being the competitor that he is and, and what the what the organization is mm-hmm. showing you you still have to make some decisions best for yourself because in the next 4 years they they're clearly not going to they're not winning next year mm-hmm. they're not you know so that puts it's also a small market team so how much superstar talent can you talent really can bring you into get. milwaukee right so before they could potentially win i'm thinking he's 27 28 and that's that's still a long shot if they can't do it if they haven't been able to do it in the last two years mm-hmm. so for me i like to play the numbers game just mm-hmm. see where, where players are um so I, for me i think yeah just to go because they, they worry about their legacy legacy right yeah. so well, you're you're saying you're playing devil's advocate i'm going to take it to a, a even a different 
devil's advocacy. Oh, I like where this is going. Right, let's go, right, DJ. Right, let's get to and it. So I, I think we, we see the two sides of him, you know, should I stay or should I go? But my question is more, is he really a number one player to lead you to a championship? You know, he, he'll be the MVP this year, but I'll boldly make the prediction he will never be the MVP again. By Whoa. next year, Luka Doncic is a better player than Antetokounmpo. I mean, was on fire. Uh, Luca's Luca's <laughs> now the young player you're taking. You're taking him before Giannis, ten out of ten times. I mean, I, I'm starting to feel like looking to Giannis. Okay, as a regular season MVP, great. But as a but let's man to take season. you to the promised land. Well, I mean, Milwaukee had a better regular season than than Dallas did. Now, mind you, they're in different conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but who? I mean, getting into playoff talk. Yeah. I mean, Doncic, what he did for Dallas in that first round, I know they didn't win. First round exit, though. Yeah, it's, I mean. They were playing a much better team in the first round. Yeah, they yeah. were playing the Clippers with Kawhi. Giannis is playing against Orlando. And they went out really meekly to a Miami team that we know is good and is mm-hmm. very fierce. Mm-hmm. But Miami hasn't done anything in the playoffs for years. I know they have Jimmy Butler now. Mm-hmm. But... I just don't know that, you know, you you were talking earlier about Antetokounmpo and Siakam, and and Shep mentioned, you know, you're just going to throw in the zone and make them beat you with threes. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that Antetokounmpo makes any team any closer to the championship. Mm. Am I De- wrong? It depends on the DNA of the team, right? I think the makeup of the team matters. I, him going to the West, I don't think that's going to do much for his legacy. He's just going to be a, another dogfight, and. He can't. He won't be able to get away with the stuff he gets away with in the East. Now, you put him on in the right system here, and I, you know, to echo what you're saying, I think the Raptors would be a good fit. Um, then you don't on have the to. Floor. You don't have to. You don't have to put as much pressure on him to be MVP. But he's, now he's to be a good piece yeah. to an MVP team. Yeah, yeah, but are you yeah. going to pay him you like to just poetry. be a piece? That's poetry. That's poetry, chef. <laughs> yes, yes. You're going to pay we'll him for statistics down. have been astronomical. Okay. And he's the type of guy who's not going to lie down and quit. He's the type of guy, he's got that Kobe mentality, who's going to figure it out. How do I need to become a better player? How can I be more effective? Well, he needs to be a better shooter. He hasn't yeah. figured he that out. He needs to be a better shooter. And that's what the trending topic is on Giannis. He's going to know that, and he's going to be locked in the gym working 24-7 on becoming a better shooter. Because what? He doesn't need to be a better dunker. His Euro step is but already— he should have come back a better shooter this year after I agree. I what agree. Toronto did to him in the playoffs. I think also shooting can be a mental thing as well. Mm-hmm. It, can be, it can be a huge mental block if, if you know you're not supposed to be a shooter and you're out there taking uncontested jump shots. I think once he gets that confidence in himself— uh, you know, you look at a guy like Lonzo Ball who, who worked on his shot— uh, for the majority of his uh, you know, young pro career. And, and he shot a much better clip this year with New Orleans than he did with, with Los Angeles. I, th- I think if he makes it a point of emphasis that he'll come back a better player, not nearly as good of a playmaker as Luka Doncic will be, but I think he can be much more effective, and he has a wide range of tools. And, and, and you know, on, on the flip side, too, you don't yeah. need to, do, to focus too much on becoming a shooter or a sniper because mm-hmm. then that takes away from his actual game, game and his strengths, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. I think you know there has to be a balance there of just – being able to hit shots as opposed to being being a shooter per se. So yeah, being able to hit shots and again, like you said, that's confidence. It's a lot more mental than anything. Mm-hmm. So for him to come back a better shooter, yeah, I, I understand that, but you also don't want to take away from what you actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you look at the East. You know, in the next season, whenever that starts, the Nets are going to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. 
Uh, the East is tightening up and is getting more competitive. I don't think that any team with Giannis Antetokounmpo as the number one player mm-hmm. is is going to win a championship in, in this era of, of the NBA. There, I said it. Before we move on here, uh, a word to uh, Henderson Brewery. Uh, the best beer is the beer you love. They are sponsoring this podcast, Jim Rats and Joints, and we're, uh, we're really grateful for that. Thanks to my friend Aiden Wiener at the Henderson Brewery on Sterling Road in Toronto. Also, a shout-out to uh, What If Discussion, a unbelievable science podcast uh, done my, done by my friends Richard Garner and Pete Smeechin. Uh They do an amazing job uh, considering and talking about scientific uh, things that could happen. Uh, and I actually remember listening to them in January or February, and they said, what if there was a uh, planet-wide virus that mm. broke out? So really interesting to, uh, to hear that. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, uh, I mentioned the Brooklyn Nets uh, a couple moments ago, and in the time since uh, I last got to speak with my friends Shep and Andy Routens, Steve Nash, Captain Canada, was named uh, the head coach of the Nets. And, you know, first... First, I want to talk to you just about how you think he'll do as the job. We all know Steve. We've all watched his career. You guys have worked with him a bit. Um, So first, let's talk about him as the coach. And then we'll talk about some of the controversy in this day and era uh, with him being named the head coach without any, any experience. So, Shep, why don't you first tell us how Nash is going to be as the head coach of not just an NBA team, but an NBA team with a lot of superstar power? I think, one, he, he'll do well because there's going to be some bumps in the road. But I think most importantly, and we're seeing with the coaches that are that are left in the playoffs right now, is that there's, there's a trust. And I think, you know, Nash stepping into this role, it's not, you know, X's and O's per se, but do his players trust him? And I think that's with KD and, and Kyrie. That's a big part of the reason why they've left teams that they have left because there was lack thereof. Um, and then from what Nash brings to the table, this is a guy that's a two-time MVP, right? He, he's been on teams, and he's made guys around him better, so he has that natural leadership quality. And he, he's an intelligent guy. He's not. This is not a guy that's, you know, the most ath- wasn't the most athletic player, so, you know, he was able to accomplish what he has by work ethic, in- intellect, and just basketball IQ, all qualities that can be transferred over into, that are transferred over into, you know, coaching. And he's ha- he had, people say he doesn't have an experience, but he was brought to, to Golden State as a mentor, as a player development coach for a, a specific reason, mm-hmm. right? Also, he has national team experience, maybe not at the, the head of a seat, but in a, a general manager role, a president's role, who also was on court mm-hmm. and, and, you know, really meticulous with how he, he approached the game and approached his p- his players and teaching them and, and allowing them to learn from him. So I think those 
experiences, you know, play a part into the coach that he's mm-hmm. going to be as well. So I, I think he's going to be successful. And like any other coach, you have bumps in the road. Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, dealing with the kind of temperamental attitudes that some of his superstars have, mm-hmm. especially Kyrie's. I think it's going to be, you know, it's, <laughs> like he's, he's, a t- he's a tough guy <laughs> to handle. Uh, I, I, I think that he's dealt with all types of personalities as a player, though, and I think that's going to behoove him as a head coach. Um, you know, to me, Stephen A's comments were a little bit inflammatory. I think they they weren't really warranted. I mean, there's plenty of 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 coaches in the or assistant coaches, black assistant coaches that were you know vying for for jobs like that. You know, your Sam Cassells, Adrian Griffins, uh, you know, even Chauncey Billups. But these are all guys who, you know, were former players themselves without the credibility that Steve had. Um, and 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 I think that you know, like you said, Shep, he's he's a guy who's who's had you know coaching experience uh you know from a general uh managerial position um you know he's been on teams with with huge superstars you know he, you know he went to that lakers team when they mm-hmm. were just you know every guy on that team was a superstar in their own right at some point so he knows how to deal with personalities i think it's you know his first time coaching you know such a massive uh team in the brooklyn nets is going to be interesting and, and you know no doubt they'll have their bumps in the roads but i think that he's you know, in my experience with Steve, he's he's a really easy guy to get along with. Uh, he's very, you know, he loves being in a, a position where he can teach and give something back to the game, as you saw with the Golden State Warriors and working with KD and Steph. So I think he's going to be successful as well. It'll just be interesting to see how the players react to him. And also working with Team Canada. Yes. I think he was the general manager. And I remember yeah. the 2015 Pan Am game, seeing him on the court. Uh, working with Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. um, so it, there's just there is not any Canadian basketball player in the country or mm-hmm. anybody like me who's worked in broadcasting who doubts the abilities that that Steve is going to bring as a coach and as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you alluded to the comments from Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, and I did find it very interesting for him to bring up white privilege mm-hmm. in this in this scenario. Um, you know, Steve, we never really heard of him as a coaching prospect, mm-hmm. um, but he had a, a relationship, a professional and probably friendly relationship with Sean Marks, mm-hmm. who runs the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I think they had been teammates. They were certain, teammates, yeah. yeah. I mean, so right there, maybe that's Phoenix, Is that right? the nepotism card? I mean, there's so many ways that somebody becomes the head coach, um, but it, it can ring alarm bells when there isn't a, a, a public process mm-hmm. to it. Um but I, I feel like Stephen A. Smith had to not retract, but he did have to go on ESPN a day later to kind of clarify what he had said. And he had only kind things to say about Steve Nash. And he even did kind of point the finger at Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for signing off on this. And I, I guess my question is, is it really just a product of the day and the era in this this really uh, – topsy-turvy year that we've had like would this not have been a question a year ago Shep I think we're in very fragile very um, sensitive times and you know very fragile times rather so yes I think there's more it's a bit more highlighted because one I think Steve is warranted and he is qualified for this position now uh, you have guys like Doc Rivers and Jason Kidd Derek Fisher who Mm -hmm. also you know stepped into this, into the same situations obviously without you know, prior coaching experience without right, prior yeah. coaching experience and they are you know black men as well so uh, one i think Stephen a smith looking for headlines he, you know he is he's he's a reporter he's an analyst he's he's a tv personality so hey that's that's there's one side of that but again like you can't dismiss what 
the organization has with their star players, KD and Kyrie. And it boils down again to trust. So if those guys say, you know, Steve is who we want here, you have to you have to provide that mm-hmm. for them or or you lose the trust in those guys already right your star players so i think that's you know people are dismissing that factor yeah. and, and i I, w- I wasn't completely in agreement with with Stephen a's mm-hmm. sentiments at all sentiments at all now let's be honest like the players have much more of a say than they have they've ever had in this game yeah they're primarily the ones that are calling the shots if, if we're being honest yeah. i mean the, the gms are the ones with the money you know they can bring in whoever they want but it's ultimately the players who wind up you know uh, making those decisions. I mean, LeBron has basically been the GM everywhere he's gone. <laughs> Danny G, just like uh, Shep and Andy, chose us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah, we That's had our right. pick of the litter. We chose you, <laughs> chose you fucking guys. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I, I'm just... W- this occupies 1% of my mind on this, but is was there anything in Stephen A's comments that are because Steve's Canadian? Is that? I don't think so. I, I feel like Stephen A didn't didn't respect the Raptors until they won the championship. I, I yeah, Stephen A. I'm not convinced of it. Stephen A. Always going to be that Pascal's head too, and not just not just <laughs> Stephen A. But regardless, we, you know, once you're Canadian, um, there's always going to be that question mark of you know, are you worthy? Are you qualified? Who like who are you really? I mean, Steve's been in the situation before. He's been scrutinized on draft night. He was booed by. You know the Phoenix Suns, you know enthusiasts know and fans. So that's, that's another. So he, he's been there. He's been there. So I, yeah, everyone gets booed by the Knicks on draft night, though. Incredible. Well, Andy you didn't get the Ronaldo. Who was it? Ronaldo. Did they, did they thrash you like that? Oh man, it's brutal. Which is crazy. Ronaldo Balkman, though, he really got. Ronaldo Balkman came. Uh, he got booed like no one's business. I. You know that what? was one we of the worst the boons. We sent him to the league. They played <laughs> Porzingis, in, man. You we played him in the what was the fin- the finals of the at that time it was the NIT tournament. Who is this? Ronald Balkman? Yeah, we played in Michigan versus South Carolina yeah. NIT tournament. Okay, uh, you guys were probably somewhere in the NCAA. Yeah, we, yeah. We're just, just rebuilding. You know, somewhere in the Sweet we, or something. We like were that. rebuilding after Chris <laughs> Webber and those yeah. guys messed us up. But anyways, that's whatever. <laughs> so NIT tournament, and yeah, we put Jalen Rose on line one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we he had a, an amazing game, and you know, a couple weeks after he was drafted, he was nowhere on the board before that. Yeah. But yeah, but he's he one of those guys that's stuck in the league, man. His motor. I motor. played with him in New York for half a year, and and he's a hell of a guy. Uh, super outspoken. Um, obviously, like there was some you know character issues off the court. He liked to use his hands too. Super, huh? I remember him choking? Yeah, somebody in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. They, and he's Puerto Rican, right? Yeah, the, he's played, he's played there the past few years, I believe. Yeah, um, but yeah, off well, topic, he, but he's yeah. a great guy. He 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 did not get treated well the night he got drafted, but yeah. I think I think he had some moments with the Knicks, mm-hmm. and probably, probably not too much. Dunkage, anyway, Doncic had a rough night too, didn't he? All the foreign guys, did. all the foreign, every yeah. time, all the foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. Turn those true. frowns into some smiles. Okay, let's uh, let's go out to L.A. We're we definitely headed. <laughs> we're <laughs> headed to that LA LA West final that I've been talking about literally since summer of 2019. Um, it's it's virtually a lock to happen at this point, but I do think in the the Lakers' last win against Houston, and now Houston's got some uh, bubble protocol issues because it looks like House might have broken some of the rules mm. and might not be let back in. Uh, meanwhile, I just don't think they have what it takes to to hang with the Lakers, but. There was a development in Game 3 
uh, and that was the emergence of playoff Rondo, playoff Rajon Rondo, Rondo kind of stepping it up and being that third. I mean, he was a third scoring option for the Lakers. I don't know if he'll be a scoring option every night, but he was also a he leader on the court. He won't be. <laughs> and w- it was able to um, alleviate some of the burden on LeBron. I, I guess the the one question has to be, and we're we're looking ahead a little bit, but does Rondo give the Lakers a little bit of an edge now or, or bring them more on par with the Clippers in that what I think is an eventual West final? Definitely. Yeah, I think so because he can he do also, it consistently. He can do it consistently because he, the thing what he brought last game he scored right down the stretch there. So um, he's a guy that you don't necessarily need him to score, but he's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses and and encourage his offense because he he, he facilitates and he gets mm-hmm. the ball where it needs to be. He's tough as nails. He's, he can defend, um, and he's won right. So you know all that he brings to the table is what the is what the Lakers need. Now you have a team that's extremely athletic. And you you know get off pick and rolls guys you know can get get a lob you get you know the ball out of LeBron's hands get some pressure off of him um, and then oh, I have, think this is the whole reason why he's in L A yeah at this point right now then you have you know Davis so you get those two in a pick yeah. and roll there's I, not much you can do yeah Rondo's IQ I, to me he's a basketball genius uh, the game seems effortless to him it almost seems like he makes decisions just because he can he mm-hmm. gets bored sometimes maybe. Mm-hmm. But a guy that's been, you know, he's been the leader of a, of a Boston Celtics team that, you know, was headlined by KG and Paul Pierce, you know, come in at a young age and facilitate that, you know, to a championship team. He's going to bring that energy to a playoff team in, in L.A. And I think that they're going to ride behind that. Um, you know, when he's out there hitting threes, though, that's very uncharacteristic of him. But, you know, I think that he's he's ready to step up in this moment and he's showing that. And you know what I like, too, about that is with that Celtics team, that was a team that was built with guys that had equal status of the ones that he's with now. Oh, so yeah, he's not, exactly. He's not afraid he's not timid to be out of superstars, s- uh, superstars yeah, right? Yeah. He steps up. He's outspoken when he yep. needs to be amongst superstars. But at the same time, he demands respect and attention yes. from his teammates and his opponents. So, And he's got a guy that's going to hold his own, right? If he wants the basketball, Bron will get him to, get him the basketball and let oh, him yeah. make a play, oh, right? Yeah. So there, there's times where you need your superstar to defer to somebody as well that can see the court from another lens or is able to see the, the amount of attention or, or something else Absolutely. on the court. Because right? he can do that. Primarily the, the, the point guard responsibilities. I for feel like it was, it was LeBron. Like LeBron, LeBron and Caruso LeBron. maybe. Maybe Caruso yeah, comes so. in, but hard to picture winning an NBA championship yeah. or even the conference with Caruso getting that much of mm-hmm. the responsibility. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, so the Clippers, uh, you know, Kawhi just looks like a, a unstoppable powerhouse and maybe he a question. Like Brown. He, he moves and plays like Denim Brown. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah, that tweet here. Really yeah. <laughs> the way Can you he, explain? He goes up for his yeah. jumper, a little bit stiff but fluid. Stiff. Explain that they're, they're just stiff. Okay, <laughs> they look like they have ten. They run like they but have also tendonitis. Also, two of the most athletic guys on the court. <laughs> exactly, at any time. and they just they it's make a, they're anomalies, man. Yeah, they make yeah. shots. They make tough shots. They make a lot of mid range shots, and through it all, they they are so stiff, mm-hmm. and they yeah, they look like they have tendonitis in both knees <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, but I, I would um, assume this has something to do with their build, right? Like Kawhi just has these powerhouse thighs and posterior that just gives him a strength yeah. that I think other players mm-hmm. simply can't compete with. Yeah, they're they're t- and defensively just tough, man. Just like you said, like they have a lower extremity that's really solid. It gives them a really solid base, and you really can't move them off of their their position. And you know when right. you're you're on the offensive end, and they put that forearm on you, they kind of dictate where you're going. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. So yeah, from both ends, they're really really tough. You know, 
two-way players. Um, and I think that's where that comparison comes in. So shout out to Denham. He was, you know, a UConn, one of UConn's stars. UConn studs. Right. Mm-hmm. Also scored 111 points 111. in a high school game right yeah. here in and Toronto. I was, I was sitting on the bench and I watched every point. Really? Because, yeah, you were was, there? Well, that was, I was following his path, man. That was. Wow. I, I, I didn't know that. I only got in the game when he wanted to rest. And he, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he really no wanted the No way. I did not realize you yeah. were on that team. Yeah, just a sparring partner. I didn't see a shot he didn't like. Yeah. But, he, but he, I mean, he, he had every right to take it because yeah. he was a bucket. And I don't, I, I think they, um, I don't know which one of them talks more. So they both said 10 words. Yeah. Since the day yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, Silent both killers, quiet, guys. Yeah. yeah. I, I went up to uh, Jane Finch and interviewed Denim once. Mm-hmm. I think right as he, maybe right in between that high school season. Oh, yeah. DG goes to the hood, huh? Absolutely, man. DG gets to the hood. DG's mm-hmm. right. I, I had never been there. I was I wanted to go there. It was a great reason to go visit. In his Lexus. In his <laughs> <laughs> I took my scooter, I think. I don't know. I definitely was not driving a Lexus. Cruised up in his Vespa. It, it was it was awesome to go up there, and I, I remember I met uh, his mom too. Yeah, was did they have the mural on the? That I don't remember. Oh, okay, yeah. But I definitely remember uh, going up there and, and interviewing Denim outside on the court mm-hmm. n- near the house and uh, and meeting his mom. Wish he had had uh, an NBA an NBA career, but I you know what that wasn't meant to be. Um, okay, I, I feel like next week at this time we're going to be breaking down Kawhi versus LeBron. Mm-hmm. Because I still gonna feel be like that's gonna be tough. Sure. That right, like LeBron is probably still slightly the better player, but Kawhi's a bit younger, has less mileage, and I think we're gonna find out once and for all who the best basketball player is in the world. And by the way, if, if the Clippers win the championship this year and Kawhi wins rings with three different teams, Go. and two He's of them the are Toronto yeah. and the L.A. Clippers, yeah. his basketball resume is. Not of this earth. No. Seriously, like yeah. to to win it with three teams is one thing. With two of them to be the Clippers and the Raptors would just be my not, brain's exploding. Not to mention he won it. one after taking a whole year off and just popped up in yeah, in, in, yeah, in yeah that too. Chip, so that too. Now, uh, okay, so that's I think that's the L.A. story for now. I we'll have so much more time to talk about both those teams, but I do want to kind of do the the gone fishing for uh, the Denver Nuggets, even though they're not out yet, but. They really look overmatched. How about uh, MPJ's comments post game? He came out flat Porter? out and said that m- more more guys needed to touch the ball. He looked a little bit sulky. Pretty ballsy comment Pretty, for as a rookie. rookie. As a rookie, yeah, especially you know, when you have of, Murray and Jokic out there. Who yeah. I mean, Porter had some nice moments yeah. in the first round against Utah, but he got his opportunities. He was pretty out of place to say that. A, no? at, but he he only got his opportunities because guys were hurt. And he stepped up and he played well. He showed what he can do. But at this stage in the game, this deep in the playoffs, it didn't resonate well with a lot of the guys in the league. You yeah, know, you Dame called him out. You know, uh, uh, sit down, son. Yeah, like sit, yeah, sit down, enjoy the ride, and learn. Yeah. Like the yeah. biggest thing is learn. Yeah, so exactly. That if that's how you feel the next time around, you're in that position where you're the you're the head guy, you're the star, and mm. you know better, you do better. If that's yeah. what you feel, right? Ultimately, so. this in itself is a, is a learning experience for him too. Exactly. I mean, just if he can if he can control himself off the court. And, and and channel that energy into being a better player and being more coachable. I think he's going to be a superstar. See, for that's, that's similar to I learned watching Denim that I probably need to pass because mm-hmm. it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we learn as we go. Yeah. Now, the question to me is: Are the Nuggets outmatched by the Clippers? Because the Nuggets have a big two anyway, or are they just 
completely exhausted from what was a, a strenuous series against Utah. If the answer is they're outmatched, what do they need to get? You know, I, every year I think the Nuggets are inching closer and closer, but now I don't know. Um, for them to keep up with the Clippers and the Lakers, is there something out there in free agency or in a trade? or What, what do they need to do to get to that championship caliber? To answer your, the first part of your question, yeah, I think it's a combination of both. One, they are definitely outmatched. So yeah, it's a combination of both. They're outmatched, and, you know, they've had to put a lot on the line. You know, Murray and Jokic. Oh, they got to be burned out at this point. They have That's to be. it. And then on top of it, I think Mike Malone has been extremely creative with his coaching schemes to get to this point. Mm-hmm. He's kind of... There's not. There's not. Overachieved. Left. You're almost Absolutely. saying. Yeah. yeah. Really. So there's okay. nothing. There's nothing much more left into the in the tank, right? And that's just a, a, that the simple fact that they just don't have that talent now. To to tag along to your question there, your second part of your question, what's out there to get? That's a, that's a good question. Where do you go from here? That's yeah. You know, I I don't. Yeah, it's it's it almost feels like Denver's you know kind of in the same boat as like an Oklahoma City mm-hmm. where they're kind of constantly in a rebuilding phase uh, <laughs> kind of trading in trading out trying but, to find the right chemistry but Denver's the right got two all-stars two. just entering their yeah. prime right now yeah, I don't yeah. know OKC has OKC is supposedly rebuilding OKC yeah Billy Donovan didn't sign the extension he had an opportunity for a two-year extension he declined it and that's probably why because he wanted more growth he wanted the opportunity to advance and in, in, to the West Finals or maybe even a championship and he probably just didn't see it there um but where would he, where and where so would Donovan see that? Ha, I think he has an opportunity to go to Chicago. But or they're Indiana. so far behind where OKC is. I, I yeah, don't understand. I don't think you're going to retain your Chris Paul. You know, uh, who's going to take Chris Paul? He's got forty million on the books for next year. I I, I thought like the, the the Billy Donovan situation is is an enigma to me because I see him still as the college coach sure. who works well with young players. I thought he was mismatched to have Durant and Westbrook and a veteran team that had been there before. I think he's the perfect guy for a young up-and-coming team. They have draft picks galore coming from the, uh, the, the, the Paul George thing and the Clippers maneuver. But if you have the opportunity to get to a big market like Chicago, that's, just, that's, that's the ultimate goal as, as a head coach in the NBA. You, know, you want to be the guy to turn it around. Everybody wants that title. Um, you know, and I heard they're gonna, they, you know, CP3 is gonna get shopped around. You know, they can get a lot of pieces for him in return. Um, you know, the, New York is looking to rebuild. You know, they're gonna throw money at everybody, and yeah. money's not an issue for New York. Uh, and route, I think, <laughs> think, yeah, I, think, I stole a little bit of that before. <laughs> the <fuck out> of <laughs> there. I think Billy's smart. I think you know, you, you turn down, you turn that down, and then you know, shop yourself. You get yourself in a position where you can extend your coaching career, where there's go somewhere where there's not much expectation, and you you have a longer, mm-hmm. you know, some longer time to make some choice, make some decisions, and, and just extend your coaching career and really build it. Whereas whereas if you stick around, you kind of force yourself, you, you know, put your back against the wall and force yourself into a tough situation as as time goes on. Yeah. You don't. He have was there much. for five years though. Five years is a long but, time in Oklahoma City. <laughs> okay, that, that, okay, that's a different yeah. aspect of it. Yes. Yeah. That, and this is a guy top notch organization. He's a New Yorker. Right. He's lived in Florida. He's yeah. a big city guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That maybe that's what I needed to hear to yeah. make me Put fully understand easy. what's I behind the scenes. It's smart. Buys himself some more time. I, I do. I like your Chicago argument. That makes a lot of sense. And if uh, that new management team there, led by I guess Mark Eversley, mm-hmm. I think it would be very smart and of them Arturis to good of his, 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 bring in Billy mm-hmm. the Kid. Yeah. That's right. You pronounce I mean, it. Bro. You even have you know Zach Levine is is a franchise guy. 
you think my, so? In my opinion, you think so? I fucking love Zach Levine. The way he moves. What's a franchise a fluid guy? Scorer. Is he a star or a superstar? And his work ethic is what, to me, what I love about the kid. You know, every single video I see of him on Instagram is him just dogging and working out at the house with his dad. Um, you know, Interesting. And, and, and his skill set at his height with his athleticism, to me, is unrivaled. If he can mold that into becoming like more of a vocal leader, mm-hmm. uh, I can see them taking off. And you got Laurie Markinen at forward there. He's a young kid who's up and coming as well. So you would build around... Uh, I'd build around Zach Levine. I would. I would keep him on my team I, at all costs. I, I can't see that. And in fact... Especially in the East. I could see them... Build around him. Yeah. I could see them moving Zach Levine and, and going yeah, after Fred Van Vliet. That could be a thing, too. Whoa. That's what I see happening in hey, Freddie's gonna. Whoa. Freddie's a big draw in free no, agency. Freddie's a big ticket. Freddie's definitely a I big ticket. Phoenix, New York, potentially Chicago. Well, Chicago's close to Rockford, his hometown. That, to me... But you know, Freddie's it, like the heart and soul of Toronto right now. So you, you know? He is, but he, think about what kind of splash he would make. I, I'm not... I, I would, or would he? Uh, Do you feel like there's a level of comfortability that makes Freddie what he is here? Well, de- no doubt. He's no a baller, though. He's, he can hoop. So if, uh, if you put Freddie over there in Chicago, does he become a, the number one guy? Uh, I don't... Maybe, Mark, not, maybe Markinen's the number one guy, but he's the point guard with the keys to the team that zach move I, I wouldn't i wouldn't do you don't sign off i don't like him playing point guard if he was playing off the ball okay as a number two fair enough fair enough yeah i would lock that down interesting uh an- another bit of news in the nba that uh caught my eye this week is the nba deciding to move back the nba draft which is now moved to no i believe november the 18th mm-hmm. uh which would be about a month after the season um, there's going to be so much to figure out for the league B- the, at the basic level is wh- when does the new season start and what does it look like? Are they back in a bubble? Are they flying from city to city? Are there people in, are there bums in seats at the games? But I, I think my question for, for two guys who were college students, professional players, um, and were available in the NBA draft, what, how does this affect the players and the prospects this year? They didn't get to play a tournament, which is the ultimate measure, mm-hmm. really, when you're looking at what these guys can do competitively. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do in terms of workouts. If you are, a, you know, if you're uh, is it James Wiseman, James Wiseman yeah. if you're one of these top prospects, one through 60, and even into, you know, the top 100 players available right now, how does this, how has your life been affected by this? And how are you going to find your way into the pros now? You know, uh, coming just speaking on draft experience and pre-draft experience, there's so much prep that goes into you getting drafted from, you know, uh, uh, being schooled on how to interview to, uh, you know, uh, the financial side of things to being in front of, you know, 15 GMs and, and assistant coaches to, to showcase your skills against the other top guys. You know, this changes everybody's dynamic in terms of the way they draft. Um, you know, and like you said, an NCAA tournament is a huge testament to how these guys will turn out in terms of playing in front of, you know, massive crowd capacity, you know, to see what, how they're built under pressure. Uh, you know, I really feel for the GMs uh, in the position that they're in right now because, you know, what do you say to James Wiseman on a Zoom call? You know, let's see you do an up and under. Uh, <laughs> you just got the fucking uh, computer set up to work out in front of all these GMs. It makes no sense to me. So it's really going to have to be a shot in the dark. You know, it's going to have to be kind of uh, what you've seen previously, you know, what the word on the street is about them in terms of their personality and character and kind of just going like LaMelo Ball is a prime example of that. You know, he's got so much 
extra to his name outside of basketball, but you did get to see him perform at a high level in Australia. So it'll be interesting, and I think, you know. It's, yeah, I think it's definitely going to hurt some guys yeah. because, you know, for those guys that are, you know, on the fence or late first-round guys, yes. they're not able to showcase. So obviously they're not going to be able to move up, yes. up the draft, up their draft stock, but at the same time they're also not going to be able to hurt it. So there's, sure. there's two sides to look at. There's guys yeah. that are going to be able to sneak in there. We're going to say it two, three years ago that it's because they, they were could show poorly in, in pre-draft workouts. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's going to disguise a lot, but it, then it's also going to, you know, just keep guys, that are, uh, you know, mid-level point. guys yeah. safe. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I was actually talking to Marcus Carr this past weekend. Uh, he's a guy, a Canadian guy that entered the draft, and I, and I was asking about the process, and he said it's it tough. He had to enter and, and enter. He, sorry, he took his name out and went back to school because there was no workout, so there's mm -hmm. no feedback for a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of guys just enter to get the feedback and so forth. For so, sure. Right. And, and even the Portsmouth guys, too. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. it's going to be a really interesting year, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on GMs and scouts to actually do, like, really fine comb through um, the history of players and, and so forth. So, but you know who's thriving right now is the overseas market. Yeah, yeah. They're getting a lot of steals right now on guys that you know just don't have that word of mouth that they're going to be drafted. Mm -hmm. So they say, okay, let's go start your pro career. You know, mm -hmm. we'll sign you up for you know anywhere from eighty to a hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, they go over there and, and steal guys right now for for a premium. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, we're we're uh, we're going to go a little bit long. I just want to get this one last topic in there because it it's something that has fascinated me really since I was a teenage boy watching the NCAA tournament and watching it closely, um, a report from the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC coaches, who recognize how important the NCAA tournament is, how much money it brings in. Of course, none of it goes to the players, but it, it keeps this ecosystem alive. They want to have an NCAA tournament, March Madness, it'll probably be a February Madness, March Madness, April Madness, of all 350 Division One teams automatically get into a ginormous NCAA tournament. Um, why don't we each take 30 seconds and give the thoughts? Shep, you go first. I like the idea of it from a basketball standpoint, just being a competitor and just seeing good basketball like we've seen in the NBA bubble. But I also am concerned about the health and um, safety of, of a lot of those players, yeah. which, you know, you have to factor in as well. But obviously, if, you know, if I was a player as well, I would want to be playing basketball. So there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of variables. Um, I, I think it would be a, a great idea, but it would really have to take a lot of uh, protocol. Have protocol would have to be. Figure yeah. this one out. Yeah, and then, yeah, fuck, you have. Yeah. I, I mean, think about it. That to to 300, 300 teams, what is it, 15 guys a team? 15, yeah. Let's do the math on that real quick. People. Not that I can, but let's do the math on that. <laughs> Don't forget sports staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, where bubbles. where would you? A lot yeah, of bubbles. Yeah, exactly. Um, where do you house that? It would be interesting, too, you know, uh, the concept of, of preparing, you know, having a, a preseason and just losing one game and then you're you're done. Uh, th there's a lot of concepts and a lot of uh, interesting. How do you how do you like how do you do seeding? Yeah, exactly. and that's another. Yeah, yeah. No, it's how do you feed these? I guys? mean that that's something they'd have to figure out. But the, to me, the concept of it. I mean, look, uh, even a 64, 68 team tournament. A lot of those teams aren't that good, mm -hmm. and you're gonna have a lot of teams playing in the mud down at at that lower level. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's intriguing. Um, I don't know if it's. If it should happen or if it ever will, but it certainly is an interesting it's provocative. Point. It's provocative. It is. No, no, no doubt about it. Okay, that's uh, that's going to wrap up another episode of Gym Rats and Joints for Shep, for Andy, 
and for our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan Wong. Thank Thank you you so much for listening, and happy Game 7 Raptors and Celtics. We'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.